1: Right now, over at Warrior Arena, we have Bruins rookie camp is going on this week. Next Wednesday, a week from tomorrow is, or a week from today is uh, training camp for uh, the big the big club. And then, in between that, you have the rookie, the rookie tournament in Buffalo. I think the showcase tournament. So uh, we got a we got a centennial season. Jersey reveal on on Saturday, Bridget. A little fashion segment. Uh, so that'll be that'll be worthwhile. Um, and of course, like I mentioned off the top, we had the Bruins release their their top one hundred centennial players list. Uh, Scott played a part in that, along with other writers and media members um, putting that list together. I don't know what the method was to who who was it. It had to have been some sort of computer generated thing, right, Scott? That put all the,
0: yeah. So the the way it works, I think there were. I want to say about thirty of us on the committee, and we all individually ranked one through a hundred in order. And then I think they took all of our lists. Players were like weighted by where we ranked them. So like, if you're ranked one, you know you got more points than if you're ranked fifty, got more points than a hundred, et cetera. Um, and then they compiled it all together to come up with the the final hundred, the historic one hundred, as they called it. Um, yeah, and I'm, and, you know, I'm, a, I'm sure there were a lot of obvious unanimous ones, but then you get to a certain point where it's, you know, very much up in the air. I'm sure there were some some close misses. Um, ultimately, I had 93 of the hundred on my list. Um, I posted something on WEI.com about where I had some differences The basically the, you know, the seven guys I didn't have on that made it and the seven guys I had on instead and you can also see my full ranked list there, one through a hundred. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. I was, I was sort of hoping like they would maybe release it in order, but I, I, I don't know. I guess I guess I understand like why you wouldn't. I, I don't know. You don't want guys to feel bad or whatever. And they also probably don't want to spoil because we do next month, October twelfth, we'll be releasing the All Centennial Team, which is twelve forwards, six defensemen two goalies so you know part of their thinking might be like if they released it ranked that would sort of more or less spoil who makes the final 20 so um but yeah it seems like seems like people have had some some fun reacting to this and trying to find snubs or you know people they don't think should be there or whatever
2: and now now it's our turn (laughs) me and brian's turn to to say what we think about it um yeah can i just start off the top and no offense to the the artiste but those were scary pictures (laughs) the artwork like i'm looking at patrice bergeron's face in the artwork and i'm just like ah yeah yeah
1: i thought the same thing when i saw bergeron i was like i was like they did bergeron dirty on this one (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) it was was like the ronaldo statue that they made and they put it up and it's like that's not ronaldo he Uh, looked like
1: he looked like he was about to kidnap 101 dalmatians or something (laughs) I don't know what that was. It was not Patrice Bergeron. It's like his nose is like, it's like they like made his nose just like totally in the opposite direction. It's like, come on guys. The guy had a 20 year career. He had a few broken noses. Like maybe, maybe like <laughs> drop when he was like 18 and fresh faced. But yeah. yeah he was Disney
2: <laughs> so I thought two Scott that you had put in your list that you had not included that ended up on this final released list by the Bruins were Ted Donato and Phil Kessel. Um, I actually, I feel like Phil Kessel, you could make the argument for being on there. Um, And so, like, I didn't see an issue with having Phil Kessel on that. Uh, What were your main reasons why you thought Kessel fell outside 100?
0: Well, obviously, he wasn't here very long. Three seasons. And really, it was that third season in 08-09 that he broke out and, and was really good that year. 36 goals. Was good that postseason when they went to the second round. um, But what gets with me with Kessel being on is like, I wonder why he obviously a lot people, some people had him on and Sagan off. And I don't really, really? entirely understand why, like to me, Sagan was also here three years and, and I think did more like he actually contributed to a Stanley cup, you know, he, he didn't play a lot in that 2011 playoff run, but when he did, he was impactful. Games one and two of the Eastern Conference Finals, he had six points in two games, including four in one period in game two in a game the Bruins ended up winning six to five. And if he if he doesn't go off, they're, you're looking at down 0-2 to Tampa going down to Tampa. Like I, You can make the case they don't win the Stanley Cup without Sagan that year. So,
2: Those two are interconnected in such a way as well because that's how you've got the Sagan pick was trading Phil Kessel. Yeah. Well, so, like there's that interconnection between the two of them. One kind of leads to the other. They're both are not Bruins for an extremely long time, but very recognizable. And even even after they left, the Bruins went on to have these great careers. So when you see the name Tyler Sagan or Phil Kessel on a list of the best players from a franchise, you, you don't usually question it. Cause you think, if you think of it as their entire career, you're like, oh yeah, those guys were some of the best players to ever play there, even though they weren't at their peak. When they were with Boston, they've had these great careers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that I, I kind of lean a little bit closer with Scott here uh, on if I, if I had to choose um, one over the other, it would be, it would be Sagan over Kessel, just because. Yeah, I just think um, that I, they both. They both didn't have nearly as long of a career with Boston as they as they probably should have. Obviously, you don't get Sagan without moving Kessel, but um, yeah, I do think to Scott's point, like the the whole 2011 uh, Cup run, he did every guy in that team, um, in one way, shape, or form had to make an impact, and he certainly did when they needed him. Don't forget, and you mentioned it, Scott, but like yeah, Bergeron had gotten concussed by closure the round before, um, and yeah, and so I I do think that um, it's close, it's close, but. Um, I'll I'll just name a couple of, uh, 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 I'll, I'm gonna name one snub. Um, but before I do, another guy who I was surprised didn't make your list, Scott, or the 100 list, um, was was Bill Guerin. Now I know he only played, um, not very long in Boston, and it was not one of the teams he was known for being a part of. Uh, throughout his career, he was with New Jersey and Dallas a lot and other places, but. Uh, 129 points in 142 games. Now, he was a dash five in those two years. And um, I think he was an okay playoff performer that year against Montreal in that series, though they lost to Montreal and he didn't help them win. So, but he's not the one I want to make the big case for. Uh, I'm okay with Bill Guerin not being, you know, on the, it's, it's, it's what it is. But the one that I, the one I noticed was snubbed because of, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, some reason on, and if you're watching, on, well, they can't really see the the mute sign on YouTube on YouTube, but we can. Sometimes when I'm talking, my mic just like spazzes out and just like mutes itself. But anyway, um, if I were to tell you, Scott, because this guy was not on your list either, okay, if I were to tell you that there was a Bruin that played 302 regular season games with the team, was a plus 24, and had 193 points in addition had some key playoff moments in notable moments for the team you think that guy should be in theory a top 100 player
0: uh i I would need to know more
1: over some of the other players that were on that list and i'm gonna so i'll 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 give you i won't you know lead you on too long it's marco Sturm.
0: yeah i I considered him
1: you did yeah so i'm curious with him right because i noticed he wasn't on your list either And, and this is a this is a good conversation to have because I, I do see players on a list. Like, I mean, you name whatever, like, like, like like a Keith Crowder, like, you know, whatever, or like, uh, you know, like Sean Thornton. I love Sean Thornton, but you know, he, I think he's an, he's an, he's a top 100 character. I think if you're talking about the franchise of the Bruins, but if you're talking player, see, that's why these, these, these lists get a little strange,
0: but yeah. uh, well, and, and just before we go any further, I'll note that what we were told was to rank the 100, 100- most legendary Bruins is how they termed it, and they left it up to us to define legendary. So, okay, I, I will say, like, for me, that did change it a little. Where, like, my list is not necessarily the 100 best Bruins in my mind, like, okay, I, I made room for people who had legendary moments or playoff runs, or even just one legendary season,
1: mm. you
0: know, even if they weren't here very long. Now, look to, to the Sturm case, like you can make the case that he had a couple legendary moments. I mean, certainly the winter classic winner, like yep. that was, that definitely stands out. So, um,
1: and game yeah. six, Montreal in 08, I think was a yeah. game that put Boston back on the map that led to that eventual Stanley cup run three years later. Like, I think he was a big component along with Patrice Bergeron and Mark Savard and Chara and, and a couple others. Um, Lucic, like Castle even for a little bit there that that got that Bruins team back into contention and back into a uh, contender status. And and he played a big role in that. And he was also part of a trade, a very lopsided trade, obviously, like sending Joe Thornton to San Jose and getting back Sturm and Brad Stewart and Wayne Primo. Um, but yeah, I just uh, he, Sturm Sturm had a lot of injury issues in Boston and people talk about 2010 and the loss to Philadelphia losing after being up 3-0 in a series and in game 7 and you point to the David Krejci injury and rightfully so but they also went down Marco Sturm in that first game of the C- of the series too and so the Bruins were down Sturm and Krejci in that series and um anyway i yeah he he had, he had injury issues but he had the the Winter Classic moment for sure is legendary and 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 that game 6 against Montreal in 08 goes down and i think it's I think it's a very, very well-known game in Bruins history. I think everybody would say that. And it was a a moral victory, I guess, in losing that series to Montreal. The Bruins, the eight seed. Montreal was the one seed, first playoff appearance in a few years. And it just got that team going into what they ended up becoming in the cup champion. So I noticed him. Um, not a huge deal. I do, I do appreciate you clarifying what you guys were asked, Scott, because um, – if we're talking 100 best players, I don't think Sean Thornton should be on that list. But if right. you're talking 100, you know, top 100 best characters or legendary players, he is without a doubt on that list. So it, it is um, it's it's a very subjective list, which it makes it fun to discuss stuff like this.
2: Yeah. And as you're as you're talking about, um, you know, players that didn't end up on the list that maybe just had one legendary season. Like if you're if we're talking about just like very short, but oh, this was a really impactful year that they had. Uh, two players came to mind. One of them is on Scott's list of people he would have had on. Uh, and Linus Ulmark, who in the very you know 99th season of Bruins history had an incredible year. And it feels like maybe that because he's not been here so long and because it's so recent, um, you know, he was on a historic team. He did historic things and he ends up getting the Vesna at the end of the Bruins 99th season. I know it's recent, um, he recently has kind of become a legend and you know what, if this, if the team had gone farther in the playoffs, won a Stanley cup, I wonder how many of the guys that are on the current team that would be on there over certain guys. Uh, I'm sure there would be more. So that uh, all is one of them. And then this one just came to mind because, uh, He's our friend from Sunday Skate, Andrew Raycroft, who uh, in his first season with the Bruins uh, won Rookie of the Year. So uh, he's going to be pissed at you, Scott. You didn't have him on your list. Uh, we will see him as soon as Sunday Skate starts. And we have we have him on the show, you know, sometimes before that. But uh, I, uh, you're going to have some explaining to do with Andrew Raycroft.
0: <laughs> I, I, I saw Razor at the at the Jimmy Fund a couple of weeks ago. He was there for NASA. And actually, he was on the Great Hill Show, too, for a little while. And uh we were talking a little bit about it um, because Bergeron was asked to rank his top five Bruins too. Um, And I I didn't have the heart to tell Razor then that that he didn't make my hundred, but I'll say this when, when I first was going through and just like putting down all names that I was like, there's all the obvious ones. And there's like, I think this guy can make it. Razor was on my initial list and like definitely got consideration again, just because of that one year um ultimately wound up getting bumped off but
1: you're right I, I did have
0: Allmark. um another one like in that vein of just one great season was joe juno who 92 93 had 103 points and set the record for assists by left wing in a season he had 70 assists which was an nhl record that stood until two years ago when jonathan huberto broke it um and I feel like
2: he's someone we've brought up before in conversations because, like, when we've been comparing stats in the past, like, Joe Juno has come come up in our, like, research and for articles we've been writing over the past few seasons as well.
0: Yeah, when when Brad Marchand topped 100 points for the first time, it was the first time a Bruins left wing had done it since Juno. So, um, yeah, those are guys who didn't make it. Your point about this team, if they'd won the Cup this year or, or I'll even throw 2019 in there yeah it it, for me at least for me personally it would have changed a lot because I and based on guys like that I had in who didn't make it I think I put more weight on being a contributor to to a cup winning team and yeah from this recent era it's like Charlie Coyle could have made it Brandon Carlo like those guys Jake DeBrusque like those guys aren't as far off as you might initially think but not having a cup kind of hurts them if you're doing the compare and contrast against some other guys who, who do have a cup. Um, speaking of which, like one of my biggest snubs, uh, from, you know, same sort of era as we were talking about. Sturm was Michael Ryder, who I think I thought was always very underrated even when he was here, but played a huge role in, on that 11 team. He was third on the team in playoff goals that year, fourth in points had the overtime winner in game four against Montreal in round one makes the huge glove save in in game five in a game that the Bruins end up winning in overtime, like just had some terrific moments. And was just a good player for, you know, the the whole time he was here. It wasn't that long, but, uh, you know, a very critical time in this most recent era and part of a cup team. So I had him, I had him 87th, I think, um, and was a little surprised to, you know, that he ended up missing out.
2: No, how much were you able to talk to other to the other reporters who are working on this? Like, were you not supposed to talk to each other?
0: Um, No, we did. I mean, there's like some texting back and forth or if we saw each other at um, like development camp or whatever. You know, I wasn't really. I don't know that like anything anyone else said, like really impacted me, but like it it was just fun to discuss. And there was no there was no sort of like mandate of like don't talk to other people on the committee or anything like that
2: no ndas
0: no nope. <laughs> well at least not amongst us like we can't that there were we, we couldn't discuss our list publicly until this came out we can't discuss our all centennial team picks until that comes out so yeah like, publicly we're a little limited on what we can talk about
1: oh uh, scott I, I also noticed you didn't have greg Zannon or or byron bits on your <laughs> list what gives, what gives there <laughs> what's, what's going on there what? scott
0: one of one of my one of my friends uh, immediately test, texted me about Brad Boys because we were when we were in high school we were big Brad Boys fans, um, and it's like yeah I mean he had one really good year but you know unfortunately didn't didn't hang around long enough gets traded for Dennis Wideman which is funny when you look back on it because it's like initially that looked like a bad trade because Boys actually had a forty good goal year in St Louis that I think people forget but you know Weidman, for all the shit he got like he was very good in that o eight o nine season um, ultimately neither one of them particularly close to my 100 but <laughs> no. it, it was it was funny like hearing from people who were just like throwing out you know personal favorites that they they
1: you know wanted to see on or even just joke about yeah well i mean up until up until t- from from 07 well yeah so you got they got traded in was it at the end of the 07 season is when that trade happened so you had you had Weidman for 0708 through 910, uh, and and 0708 was the year that they went back to the playoffs for the first time since pre locko And you know he was their he was their their number one puck moving defenseman on that on the, on those teams. Um, you had Chara in his heyday, but he was not you know the, the transition puck mover. That was Weidman, and and they relied on him for offense from the back end. And I think without looking it up, I think Weidman had like yeah like one year with like what 60 points or something like that, Scott, as a defenseman. So yeah, he. Look, he 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 was a he was a liability at times defensively, but for what he was asked to do for you, he was definitely a a good player, top one hundred.
2: He was oh. one of the few Bruins players I can remember getting booed on home ice. However, but right before he was moved, and then he ended up having an All Star season right after. <laughs> but by the end of him being in Boston, he was getting booed on home ice.
0: Yeah, he, he finished eleventh in Norris Trophy voting in oh eight oh nine, like wow. yeah, 50, wow. 50 points plus thirty two played twenty four thirty nine a game.
1: Scott, I also noticed on your uh in your article you posted your your rankings one through one hundred and I'm curious. I, I found David Pasternak to be a little bit uh low at number twenty, I think he was for I mean at this so at this point, you know, he's if he plays if he plays another whatever, seven, eight, nine seasons, like he's he's easily going to eclipse probably the team's record in goal scoring um he's been in the league for approaching a decade he's a, he's one of the most prominent goal scorers in the world has been for a few years um obviously he's he's you know in, a, in the top of the bruins list of all-time players and certainly i think when his career is done will be a top 10 on that list probably um so do you do you see him jumping up your list at, at, at career's end? You you just think he has more to prove still, uh, longevity wise? You didn't because you had some guys ahead of him that didn't have. I mean, Cam Neely, for example, I think was ahead of him on your on your list ranking wise, and the argument could probably be made that he's ahead of both him and like somebody like uh, like I know David Krejci was ahead of him. Um, yeah, Krejci,
2: Marshall.
1: Marshall. yeah Marshall. I know and these guys martian and crechey have they have a ceiling cup to the name and more longevity but if you're talking like projections and just what they've done through to this point in his careers they thought it was a little bit low but
0: yeah so i didn't i didn't project forward at all like just for the sake of my ranking i acted as if let's say his career ends right now for whatever reason like where is he so that's where he ends up 20th for me um yeah i fully expect him to climb a lot higher than that uh you know well within the top 10 is within reach like it hey if this next era of bruins hockey if they win a cup or two and he ends up as their all-time goal leading goal scorer like you're talking top five like that so sky's sky's the limit for where pasta could end up um i i definitely could have bumped him even higher than 20 like that's sort of right around like an interesting spot where like i wayne cashman one spot ahead of them it's like posenak's clearly a better player than wayne cashman but wayne cashman had one of the longest bruins 10 years won two cups was a captain and it's like you know like that's a lot like posenak hasn't done all that stuff yet um and then you know it's like like how do you even compare him to a lionel hitchman who has his number retired but played in the 20s and 30s like i you know that's tough um then there's some some goalies in there who won cut like I guess I would say like that's sort of the biggest thing missing is Pasenak hasn't won a cup yet. So, um, and I think most of the guys I had ahead of him have, or, you know, you mentioned Neely, obviously he didn't, um, Neely is still, he's first in Bruins history in goals per game still has the most playoff goals, even though guys like Marsha Bergeron, Krejci have played so many more playoff games than, than Neely did. So, um, that matters. Like Neely, you know, was so good at, at his best. And yeah, like doesn't have the 60 goal ski- season that Passenach does, but had the 50 goals in 49 game season, which is, you know, after a serious knee injury, which was crazy. And just a testament to like how good he was, even, even for a little bit post injury. Um, So yeah. that was, and, and Neely has the, the added benefit of, like, the, you know, the team identity. Like, he, along with Borg, like, just defined an era. And I think Pasenak is just now entering sort of that moment in his career where he's going to define this next era of Bruins hockey.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I got to I gotta go back and, and check the tape. I hope I didn't say that Pasenak should be higher than nearly on the list. But No, I, no, I, no, you, you yeah. didn't. But you were just
0: making the, like, yeah. comparison of okay,
1: yeah. sometimes I have Because <laughs> you're right.
0: Like like Neely also had it similarly like Parsonak does have almost as many games and years as Neely wound up with because you know unfortunately Neely just didn't last as long as he should have because of the knee.
1: Yeah and and in that year where I think it was like 93, 94 when he had the 50 goals in like 44 games wasn't or something like that. Wasn't he weren't weren't the Bruins like scratching him like every other game? To yeah. like serve him, so it, it it also is like to like to like have just like built in nights off essentially every other game, but keep that mojo going is like that's a challenge in and of itself,
0: yeah. Uh, which is why, like, if you look up like the NHL's official accounts of like 50 goal and 50 game seasons, he doesn't actually show up, he sort of shows up like below in a special category because technically to qualify like as the any as far as the nhl is concerned it has to be 50 goals in the team's first 50 games um which it wasn't for neely but just in terms of production it was yeah i mean he was scoring over a goal per game in the, in the games that he played that year
2: yeah and so i was i was also wondering scott with your rankings of like I was looking through some of the defensemen that were on the list. And I was wondering, have you, after writing your article and putting it out, has anyone approached you that either we work with or just read it and asked about some of where those defensemen were ranked? Because I feel like there's a lot of defensemen on the list that are either still playing or were just the era right before. Um, this current era, like they retired recently, um, that some of where they fell, felt like, oh, I, I might've put this person higher. I might've put like, cause Charlie McAvoy is pretty high. Um, and obviously Tory Krug is somebody that made the list as well. He was kind of in the middle. Um, and you also had Seidenberg on there, um, Boychuck on there, no Adam McQuaid. Um, but the, so I was just, every time I was looking through where the defensemen were ranked, I always like was kind of questioning like, Oh, I wonder what was the thought process on that?
0: Yeah. Adam McQuaid's one of the ones I've gotten the most pushback on or, or have seen people, you know, say like they wish he had made it. And uh, on the one hand, like I get it. He's, he was a contributor on a cup team, you know, obviously really rugged. Everyone loved the effort that he brought for so many years. Um, to me, that's where, like, I just don't know if he was really, a, like, a good enough player. You know, he was he was third pairing. I mean, usually he was playing 12 to 14 minutes a game. and Sean Thornton not... was
2: a fourth liner.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I guess this is where I take some liberties with, like, the, the legendary word that they gave us. Where I think Sean Thornton obviously was a huge... And, and not that McQuaid wasn't a fan favorite, he was, but... I mean, Sean Thorne was like one of the most beloved players from that team and like a true, you know, like almost like celebrity locally um, and still is like he mm-hmm. people, still, you know, when he comes on like the Greg Hill show, some people still tune in and want to hear from him. Um, I think it's a little different with McQuaid. You know, he was a little more reserved, not as much in the spotlight, not as much of that, you know, like he was a, a fan favorite for the diehards, but maybe not for, you know, all the casual fans, I guess. Um, Certainly Thornton's fighting, you know, adds an element to he's second in team history in fights behind only Terry O'Reilly. So, um, yeah, like I would have no issue with someone putting McQuaid in. He just didn't didn't make it for me. Like, you can't you can't put everyone from that 2011 team in. You know, some people mentioned like Greg Campbell and Dan Pye and it's like, yeah, I mean, Campbell has an incredibly legendary moment finishing that shift with a broken leg against Pittsburgh. Like, I absolutely can see the argument for that, but you know, another guy that ultimately missed for me. Um Yeah, I don't think I've gotten too much pushback though on like where defensemen are ranked. Um I did see a couple people who were like a little surprised that, or like maybe pleasantly surprised that Ferrance and Boychuk were on there, but it's like they're, they're second pairing on a cup team and second pairing for many years. And, you know, Ference was here a while. Like he, he dates back to even pre ten eleven 11. Like he was here for a few years before that and developed into a leader, you know, of the team. And, and at one point wore a letter, not on like an every game basis, but kind of on and off uh, towards the end of his time here. So um, yeah, for me, like those two were like easily in, but I think some people were, you know, maybe were uncertain of whether they'd make it, and pleasantly surprised that they did.
1: Yeah, well, Ference also flipped off eighteen to twenty thousand right. <laughs> That's enough to get him any uh, Bruins hundred list, anyway. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a great list. I mean, yeah, I mean McQuaid. I mean, you you mentioned Scott, like how you can't have every guy from those twenty eleven team on a list. So obviously, you're kind of being facetious, but at the end of the day, I mean, when when the when the franchise only has whatever six championships and it's 100 years and you just pull like, you know, four or five legends or let you know, not legends, but four or five players from each team. I mean, you still have room for a lot more. Um, I think McQuaid's like just status of being just kind of like, like the mullet stands out to people. Um, and yeah, if we're talking hundred best players, no, he's not there. But if you're talking like legend, legendary Bruins, I mean, he was a fan favorite for about a deck, almost a decade. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's all good. Um, also, when
2: I was thinking about McQuaid, too, and with a few of the other people, because there's been players who played for the Bruins for, you know, a long time, a short time, doesn't matter. But then they've also gone in and done other jobs in the organization. Right. Um, so, like, you're talking about Don Sweeney. You're talking about. Um Adam McQuaid, who's still in the organization, um, in the development side of things. And so I didn't know if you were allowed to consider some of the other aspects of even when their career ended, like their impact we, on the Bruins.
0: Yeah, we were told not to. We were told this was about playing careers, what guys did as players. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if other people maybe did take that into account to some extent, but I I really tried not to. Like I tried to just focus on what they did during their playing careers. Cause you, you can go back even further. Like guys like, you know, Cooney Weiland went on to coach the team, did clap. Milt Schmidt did everything. Like if, if you're just talking like overall impact, like Milt Schmidt to be number one, like he could be like the one guy who would challenge or because he did everything. Like he was coach GM. He's, he was brand ambassador. Like he was around the team for like 70 years.